You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. I want to hit on a very specific topic today. Something that has a couple of different names to it, uh, all of which are laden in one way, shape, or form, but it's something that I think is greatly overlooked and overall misunderstood. But when done correctly, is a powerful tool of engagement that really helps you stand out as a leader and as somebody who people just want to listen to. And isn't that really what we all want is to be listened to? Not only just to be listened, but for people to want us to talk more, for people to want to hear what we have to say. And the topic that we're going to bring up today is what is in many circles referred to either as infotainment or otherwise as edutainment. Infotainment is typically just a broader topic and edutainment tends to be more in the educational space, but either way, it's an amalgam or otherwise known as a portmanteau word combining information and entertainment or education and entertainment. So what we're really answering is the question of, can you be interesting and lighthearted and personable and even funny from time to time without losing your gravitas, still having that confident authority that makes people trust you as the expert If you're going to be all those other things, if you're going to weave in humor of all things from time to time, and people really get stuck on this. You know, there's there's a lot of concern that in high stakes contexts in particular, maybe you are pitching to a client or you're meeting with someone to discuss a challenge or you are presenting information to the senior leadership team, somebody who outranks you, even in a job interview for that matter, there's a lot at stake. So what we primarily tend to focus on is the need to prove ourselves, right? We want to be taken seriously. We want people to know that we have what it takes, that we are experts, that we are qualified, that you can trust us. It's all very serious. And there's an important distinction that we really have to make between being taken seriously and always being serious. They are not synonymous. You can be serious as, you know, death for that matter, and not be taken seriously if that degree of seriousness is out of context. And you can, in many ways, be lighthearted, be facetious, be playful, be casual, be a little bit vulnerable, be open and personable, and still be absolutely 100% taken seriously. The question is how you blend them. Because the truth is that the goal that we all have is to have influence. That's the title of this whole show, right? Speaking to influence. We want 
to have an impact on people. We know what we want that impact to be. Having some impact on the way people behave, the way something responds, that's influence. So the best way to ensure that the effect that you have on someone is the effect that you want to have on them is not only to get them to listen, but to make them want to listen. And humor, stories, sharing little personal tidbits, little personal insights, allowing your personality to shine through, that does all that. That makes people want to listen to you more. Humor in particular, and I don't mean be a stand-up comedian. Don't take me out of context. But little bits here and there, and we'll talk about some of the strategies later. Humor serves this purpose particularly well because laughter opens listening. If you can get someone to laugh, whether it's a little smirk and a little chuckle or an outright belly laugh, a good guffaw here and there, it opens people's ears. It opens listening. Why? Because when you have that laughter, it gives you, among other things, a nice little dopamine shot. And dopamine is one of your happy hormones, if you will. It's a hormone that kicks in and it immediately says to you, I want more. Get more of this. You want more. If that person gave you that happy hormone shot because they said something that you were listening to, that's your neurological conditioning at that point. It makes you say, hey, talk more. Make me laugh again. Make me interested again. Make me focus more. I want more of whatever you just gave me. Not only does it give you that happiness, that happy hormone, but dopamine as a result of it also helps to consolidate memory. There are lots of studies on the brain, on neurology, on learning and education. Dopamine has been shown to help consolidate memory, and consolidation of memory is just a fancy way to say learning, helping people to remember things, helping people to learn. I mean, think back to your favorite teachers in school, elementary school, high school, college, some continuing education credit course that you took last month, whatever it is. But think back to who the best teachers were. Weren't they the ones who made learning fun and interesting? They were inspiring. They were good speakers, but they also told some stories. They made you laugh once in a while. They made you feel comfortable, but they made the content real. They made it digestible, but they somehow weren't just droning on when you think about it, like that quintessential teacher played by Ben Stein in, in the 80s movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? As soon as I said that, all of you Gen Xers out there and probably a good number of millennials and boomers and anybody else immediately thought to yourself, Bueller, Bueller, anyone, anyone? Now that teacher, that was he was an economics teacher in the movie, he knew his stuff. He was knowledgeable. He was an expert. There was no question about that. But he did the exact opposite of making learning fun and interesting. So everybody was just zoned out and kind of catatonic in the classroom. The favorite teachers were the ones who had the energy and connected with you and gave you a range of emotions along the way. I don't mean Broadway style acting, but they connected with you and they made it interesting and fun. They added a little bit of that attainment into the edu Vacation. Even think about some of the best TED Talks that you've seen or the most inspiring speakers you've heard. I mean, Brene Brown is, I think, one of the preeminent leaders in this. Not only does she have TED Talks that have you know 50 million views, 100 million views, something along those lines, it's absolutely insane, but her talks are phenomenally balanced between 
her being the researcher who has literally written the book on topics like vulnerability and leadership. But she also shares incredibly heartfelt moments of her own shame in the past and super vulnerability there. And then at the same time, makes you laugh with her at her own expense, but is able to do it in a way where you totally feel for her. You're connected with her. You're not pitying her. You're just enjoying the experience together because you see yourself and your own foibles in her missteps and her you know, self-critical thought moments and the way that she tells them in a funny way. So she has that perfect balance between information and entertainment. She makes learning fun. And here today, I'm talking about her, and I'm, I'll be willing to bet that at least half of you out there have seen at least one of her talks and have spoken about her to many other people in the past because it stuck, because she was so powerful in the way that she blended that perfect cocktail of value that she provided to you. Now, going back to the terms infotainment or edutainment, I want to make sure that we're clear about something, because those phrases, those two terms could be seen as having two different meanings. They could either both be seen as being kind of information light, education light, more, okay, lots of haha, fun, fun, not a little fluffy with, you know, some nuggets here and there, but otherwise not really jam-packed with value, unless you just really wanted something light and fluffy and you enjoyed it for the fun part of it, but didn't get otherwise a lot of other value. What I want to do is take that meaning off the table. It's not information light or education light. Infotainment or edutainment is about that balance, that perfect integration between learning and enjoyment, making learning fun. It is not about dumbing down your information. Please do not mistake me. I am absolutely serious in this, as you can tell. Infotainment edutainment is not dumbing down or watering down your content. On the contrary, it is doing the exact opposite. It's raising your game. It's not just checking the box and saying, well, okay, I had to give them these three points. I had to explain the quarterly market update status or let people know what's the latest on the most recent cybersecurity issue, or I had to tell people about the newest law that passed as it relates to real estate or education or whatever it is, check, check, check. My information is factually correct. I have achieved the minimum standard. That is not what I'm saying. I would argue that that's actually dumbing it down because all you've done is taken words from a page and put voice to them. I've articulated them. So if you cannot see them for yourself, well, now you got the input. Infotainment, edutainment is raising the game and over-delivering. It is going above and beyond the actual requirements of mere content transmission. It's making the learning enjoyable. And think of it this way as well. In the hyper-stimulated world that we have today where everybody's multitasking, you've got this coming on your phone and this coming on the on the laptop and this that you're watching on the tablet and you're trying to do text messaging and social media updates and writing your reports and checking your spreadsheets and watching the feed on whatever else it is in the hyper-stimulated world, when something isn't just interesting but enjoyable, you know as well as I do that that's the stuff that makes your brain go, wait, I I like that one. That was kind of fun. Wait, I want to pay more attention to that. Wait, let me 
I mean, what, what was that one about? Wait, and then you start blocking out those other things that aren't as enjoyable. And we all have those, uh, those little squirrel moments where our brain suddenly gets distracted by some particular stimulus. Well, if something is enjoyable, you get that little dopamine rush, that's a big squirrel that chases away all of the other ones. So when you give people something to enjoy in the process of learning, you're actually helping them focus on your content. What do you think of that? Going back to not just speakers, but even when you think about the distinction between being a boss versus being a leader, when you're just the boss and people only see you as the boss, they follow you because they have to. They have to listen. They have to do as you instruct to some extent or other, of course. But when they view you as a leader, I talk all the time about how leadership is an image first and foremost. When people perceive you as a leader, it means that they are willing to follow you. They want to follow you. They trust following you. They feel value in following you. And if you can speak in a way that inspires them, that allows them to have some fun, that allows them to see who you are as a person, that they can connect to you, relate to you, laugh with you from time to time, see that you're more than just a role, that means that will make them want to listen to you more want to follow you more. That's what speaking to influence is about, making people want to listen to you. I draw a distinction every now and then between what I like to call the incredibly important distinction between having a captive audience and having a captivated audience. We all talk from time to time, or we've all heard about having a captive audience. I absolutely do not want a captive audience because I think most audiences, frankly, are captive meaning they're held captive. They would prefer to be, frankly, anywhere else, doing anything else, listening to anyone else, but they can't leave. They've been instructed, you must sit here and just tolerate it until it's done. A captivated audience, on the other hand, is one that does have the freedom to leave, but chooses not to. I'm going to say that again. A captive audience is one that wishes they could leave, but can't. A captivated audience is perfectly free to leave and chooses not to. Think about what would make that shift, that seismic shift internally in your audience, make them want to stay and listen more. I do a number of trainings for clients. I've done them over the years, whether it's I have short form, one hour long talks. I've got half day, four hour trainings. I've got full day, eight hour trainings. I have multi-day trainings that I do. They're all intensive one way or another. And that includes when they're in person or even virtual. I do a lot of four-hour intensive virtual trainings. That's a long time for one person or for a group of people for that matter to be on the same virtual call, yes? But there's an important shift. And the reason I keep getting called to do them over and over and why I get referrals to go and do them for other divisions, other departments, other companies, other organizations is because I think I've mentioned to a number of you, or you've heard me talk about it over time, that in my former life, I was a public school teacher. And one of the first tenets or commandments of public school teaching that I came up with for myself was entertain thyself first. You have to enjoy your own content. You have to appreciate your own content. I don't mean make it a party. I don't mean happy, happy, joy, joy, be silly about it. Again, infotainment, edutainment, entertain yourself, figure out how to make teaching. And when you're speaking, presenting, arguing, whatever it is, 
that's what you're doing. You have to entertain yourself first in order to persuade the audience to listen because then it seems like you're enjoying it. So they want to enjoy it too. If you're intrigued by your own information, they'll be curious and want to be intrigued by it as well. So when I'm doing these trainings, I did one not long ago and it was a four hour, half day virtual training. And at the end, I got the best complaint I've ever received as feedback at the end of the day. There was a woman on the call who said, you know, Laura, I actually have a little bit of a complaint, a little bit of a qualm. And she said, you know, when I saw that we had a half day training on the calendar today, I made myself a huge to-do list of things that I was going to try to get done while sitting in on this call. I was planning on multitasking. But she said, the problem is that this whole program was so interesting and so engaging and so enjoyable, I paid attention to the whole thing. So now when am I supposed to get all this other work done? <laughs> I mean, it's the best complaint I ever got, that you were so engaged, that you enjoyed the content, you enjoyed the experience, and you got value out of it, that you forgot you had other work to do, or if you didn't forget, you decided, nah, I'd rather still pay attention. I'd rather participate in a webinar for four hours than do this other stuff. Now, I guess you could argue that it really depends on what that other stuff was, exactly how much you were just looking for any excuse to avoid it, that the bar was set low, but I don't think that's what she was really saying. There was a, another training that I did not too long previous. It was in person. It was a full day training. Actually, it was a two-day training that we did. And at the end, someone said to me, and many of you may have seen this show, but he said, have you ever seen the TV show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a great program on Prime Video. And it's about a woman who is an aspiring comedian in New York in the 1950s. Fabulous show, super funny, super smart, super well-written show. And uh, I said, of course, you know, that's one of my favorites. I said, why do you ask? And again, at the end of the day, as we were debriefing and doing some feedback, he said to me, you have a very Maisel-like quality, a very Mrs. Maisel-like quality in the way that you instruct. And I took that as a huge compliment because what it meant was that he enjoyed the experience, that it was fun, that it was interesting, that I held his attention for the entirety of it. And there were plenty of times that we were laughing along the way, but again, it was a two-day training. So this is not two days worth of goofiness. It's two days worth of, we have major content to get through. You paid me to provide content and a training opportunity so that you would develop an important skill set. And my mission was to deliver on that. But in making it fun, making it entertaining, I helped it to ingrain itself, to reprogram the neurology inside and make it a part of you. That's the goal. So how do we do it? There's a couple of keys that I want you to, to bear in mind, you know, jot them down if you can. Number one, of course, first and foremost, anything that goes even slightly into the realm of humor, it doesn't have to be humorous, but, you know, we certainly like humor as part of what makes things entertaining. Um, storytelling, number one, is always valuable. A good storyteller completely captivates an audience, completely engrosses the audience. It doesn't even have to be funny. It could be serious, could be heartfelt, could be emotional, could be just curious. But it brings me into your world and allows me to, in, to experience something that you've experienced. But when you get back into the humor part, 
make sure it is appropriate. And even if it's not humor for that matter, all stories, all humor needs to be appropriate, quantitatively appropriate and qualitatively appropriate. Know your audience and tell it in a way that is appropriate for that. You know your audience. Is it appropriate to use any sort of hint of profanity or do you need to keep it squeaky clean? Is it all men or all women or is it a mixed gender, mixed ethnic groups, et cetera? What kind of context? And I don't mean tell ethnic jokes or gender jokes. You know, I just mean understand that different groups will appreciate different stories or different kinds of experiences that you'll share. Know your audience. But it's also important to allow your personality to come through. This is really important because the audience wants you to let them see you. They want to connect with you. Remember my three C's? For me, influence is all about mastering the three C's, the ability to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. So when you allow your personality to come through unabashedly, I don't mean flamboyantly necessarily, but just be yourself, not hiding who you are and just trying to keep this ridiculously generic, robotic, Stepford wife kind of automaton-like persona, be you. Share information, a little bit about your family, about your neighborhood, about your dog, about whatever it happens to be, your car. Tell your story. Let yourself come through. It shows that you're confident in who you are. And confidence is incredibly magnetic. It is incredibly charismatic. I don't mean overconfidence. I don't mean arrogance. Just showing that you're not afraid of who you are and letting them see that. You're confident in your own skin, in your own shoes. Allowing your personality to come out also humanizes the meeting. Again, they don't want the robot. They want to connect with another human being who gets it, who feels like you understand them and they understand you. That's the connecting with the audience part. And they want you to be relatable. Again, in that connection, when you show that you're a human, you're a person, you've made mistakes, you get concerned about stuff, you have in-laws, you have you know, lawns that you don't like to mow, whatever it is, those are little things that help you to connect with them. Next, in timing, you want to just sprinkle it in. You don't want to have lots of humor up front or wait until the end to be interesting or to add that little bit of entertainment value to it. Little bits and pieces, the variation a sprinkle here, a little sprinkle there. When it's a surprise, if they're not anticipating it, that's part of what adds to the humor value. Any comedian will tell you the key to good comedy is timing. Except they'll say it funnier than that. <laughs> like Again, I'm not a comedian. That's not the point. But knowing when and where to place it, how frequently, that's key. I mean, there's a training that I did for a number of years, and there was one place where I would always reference the movie Airplane. There's a whole series of them back in the early 80s. Ridiculous slapstick movie. I'm betting that anybody who's in part of that generation, as soon as I said airplane, Leslie Nielsen, and I forget who else it was. I think O.G. Simpson was in them. He was the partner. And I mean, they were beyond ridiculous slapstick, pun-infested movies. And what I found was that no matter who the group was, as soon as I referenced airplane, people would start to giggle, especially the men. Men in particular seemed to love it. And I mentioned a scene or two, and inevitably, everyone knew the answer to the prompt, Shirley, you can't be serious. And the whole audience would go, I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. And then they'd all crack themselves up. It's a dumb line, but it's one that got repeated over and over in that movie. Everybody remembered it. Everybody remembered laughing 
back in the day, 30, 40 years ago, God help me, it's been that long. Yes. But the fact that you just have the memory of originally watching it and laughing back in the day makes you laugh today. It is not undermining your authority in any way to drop those little references. I don't even have to be funny saying it. I wasn't. But just the reference was enough to make you smile. That gives you the dopamine shot, little happy hormone. You're tuning back in with more focus. I find that, especially with guys, for some reason, Caddyshack does the same thing. Any reference to the movie Caddyshack, guys of a certain age or era, or at least who liked going back to those movies, burst out laughing and then can't stop and will keep mumbling lines to themselves from the movie for the next 10 minutes afterwards. Women kind of give me the strange look when it comes to Caddyshack. It just does not click. It seems to be a Y chromosome feature. I'm not sure. But uh, nevertheless, it'll play to your audience. And don't send me hate mail now about being gender stereotyping. I'm just telling you what my experience has been referencing those two movies in the various trainings that I have done. But point being, once you drop those references, get people to laugh, they're with you, but then make your point. Why did you drop that reference? Got them to laugh, but I share the example because of this. Go right back into not super serious as far as, you know, Sergeant Joe Friday, the facts and just the facts. Now we're utterly straight about everything. No humor, no personality whatsoever. But just, why did I tell you this? Own it. The gravitas comes with the ability to drop the simple line, to have fun with it, and then shift right back to meaningful purpose. Get to that content. That's the balance. That's where the line, the joke, the comedy, the reference, the fun ends up being that spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down to drop another little Mary Poppins kind of a point. But what makes that delivery effective is in the energy variation and the point of contrast. Contrast is mission critical. You cannot have the entire event or the entire talk or training, whether it's five minutes or an hour, however long, be all serious or all silly. And if you are telling a joke, telling a story, sharing an experience, delivering an anecdote, it cannot sound the exact same as when you're giving statistics that aren't supposed to be funny, at least. So be able to shift gears. And just like I'm sharing with you now, because I'm making a very deliberate point, this is my serious tone, but then when you have a chance, you know, lighten it up a little bit. Go into your entertainment piece. Tell your joke. Be silly. Be yourself. I'm constantly making references to my kids, to different experiences that I've had, to commuting, to whatever else it is. And sometimes it's my own mistakes that I've made, my own head trash that, I, that gets in the way. And I'll share those in a lighter way, but then I'll come back to what's serious. I mean, the opening lines that you use in presentations and trainings and events and webinars, the opening line is key, is really mission critical to establishing the tone for events. So for example, there's a number of programs that I work with that are all about intercultural communications, diplomacy training groups and uh, global workforce, et cetera. So I have to do a lot of prefacing in the beginning about referencing culture in a way that is speaking in broad strokes but not stereotyping. And the easy way to do that in referencing the, ex that of course there are exceptions to every rule. And frankly, there's more exceptions than those who follow the rule strictly. I'll often ask the group, and you can ask yourself this, how many of you have genetic siblings? I'll get lots of hands going up. Follow-up question. 
How many of you have genetic siblings who are so different from you, you cannot understand how you came out of the same womb? Anybody? And usually about three quarters of the hands stay up. And whether or not the hand was up in the first place, there's, there's a lot of nodding and the people are laughing. And that just goes to show that the exceptions to the rule, yes, we may talk about East versus West, men versus women, this versus that. But in the end, it's about individuals. So we've taught the lesson about not stereotyping and help people understand I'm not teaching through stereotypes by allowing them to have that momentary self-reflection. And I have the same thing. Look, I'm a linguist. I speak a number of languages to varying degrees. I have a degree in linguistics, et cetera. So to me, my world is all about letters. My brother is a nuclear physicist, a nuclear engineer from the Navy. So yeah, he's all about numbers. His letters are mathematical variables. <laughs> they don't spell anything. So how we both came out of the same pair of parents, I don't know. Apparently mom and dad decided he'd get all the numbers, I'd get all the letters, and we would never learn to share. So we share those examples, right? And using those kinds of questions can just help start with a little bit of levity, make the point, and go straight into your content. That's where people are ready to listen because there's a connection right away. But one way or another, I will leave you with this final point. Confidence in the delivery of whatever you're sharing, your stories, your jokes, your this, your that, they must be confident. They must be delivered confidently. You have to own it when you share it. Because when you're confident in your delivery, it shows that you trust yourself. And when you trust yourself, they feel that. And that makes the audience trust you. And if they trust you, they're more likely to like you. And again, when you share those personal connecting stories, those anecdotes, those little jokes, sometimes at your own expense, laughing at yourself, sharing your own head trash, etc., that makes them relate to you. And that makes them like you because we like those who are like us. And when they like you and they trust you and they hear then the content that you bring along with it, that is the perfect combination, the perfect recipe for executive presence. So you will absolutely in no way, shape or form undermine your authority by not being serious at all times. Have fun. Enjoy the experience. Show your audience that you are glad to be with them, that you want to connect with them, that you're looking forward to sharing information that you think is valuable, and you even want to have a little bit of fun in the process. Do that and watch your executive presence and your overall reputation, and most importantly, your influence soar. With that, I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. 
No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. Your advice is to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.